One thing you know if you're a parent, and you probably know if you were ever a kid, is the simple fact that kids don't understand cost or value, especially when they're young. So oftentimes you have to teach them it. For example, I know when I was a kid, I would oftentimes want to open up snacks and eat them while in my dad's car. And he would get really upset at me because I would leave crumbs all over the car. And to me, it wasn't a big deal. But he understood the value of the car, but also the cost of leaving crumbs and the time it would take to clean all of it. And as a kid, I did not care about that. Same when it came to walking in the house with shoes on. My parents, they wanted the shoes off because they understood the value of the carpet and the cost it would to clean it. Of course, as a kid, I just wanted to walk in the house with my shoes on. Because kids are kind of jerks and they don't understand cost and value. And parents have to spend a lot of time trying to teach and educate their kids on cost. And sometimes how they go about it can seem harsh. For example, that teenager who is driving recklessly on the road, speeding up to 100 miles per hour. When they finally get pulled over and put in jail for their actions. There are probably a lot of parents out there that would choose to not bail their kid out immediately in order to teach them a lesson about the dangerous cost of driving recklessly and how it can ruin your life and others. Now, I think as we reflect on the amount of fatal car crashes in this country a year, we could appreciate a parent taking such an extreme approach. Yeah, it seems harsh, but none of us would question the love that parent has for their child. Because we all understand tough love and the fact that when the stakes are high, when the cost is high, as a parent, you have to do whatever you can to reach your kid. We learned in the last few episodes about the cost of sin, what sin has done to us as a people and what God had to do to free us from it. Jesus had to die on the cross. His blood had to be shed. Literally the highest cost there is, his life. So as you might imagine, when God devised this plan of redemption, he made sure to find ways for his people to be reminded of the severe and devastating cost of their sin. How did he do this? Well, in order to demonstrate what his great sacrifice would be, God gave his people in the Bible a command to confess their sins on the head of a lamb and then kill it as an offering. This offering was to represent him dying in their place. We find this in Leviticus 1, 1 through 3. This practice of sacrificing a lamb was given to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3:21, And they were to pass this on to their children. But within one generation, the practice was distorted and lost. Genesis 4, 3 through 7. 
only a small number of faithful people continue to sacrifice what God had required. Now, you may hear this requirement and think to yourself, is God bloodthirsty? These sacrifices were kind of harsh after all. Yet, that was precisely the point. Sin is costly. God would give his life to save his children. The sacrifice of a lamb would be a gruesome reminder to angels and humans about how costly sin was and what it took to solve it. Long after Adam had died and the flood ended, a man named Abraham was born and remained faithful to God. Abraham was a very old man who had trouble producing offspring with his wife, Sarah. Finally, he had a son named Isaac. And then God told him to take his son up on a mountain and sacrifice him. So Abraham takes his son, Isaac, up on a mountaintop and tells Isaac to lay on the altar they built together. Abraham has the knife in his hands and he raises it to kill and sacrifice his son. But all of a sudden he hears God's voice telling him to stop. God tells him that instead of offering Isaac, there is a ram caught in a thicket close by. This story is in Genesis 22:13. This story, this illustration, was a way for God to demonstrate how much it would have cost him to save the world. God was going to come as a ram and would offer himself in the place of human beings. This powerful story reveals what God himself would suffer in order to save the world from sin. But how can someone die for someone else? If someone has done something wrong, then they are responsible to suffer the penalty of their own crime, right? This is a fallacy. Every society is littered with cases where people have substituted the lives of one person for another person or group of people. How many times during war has there been prisoner exchanges, a life for a life, or a life for many lives? Not only that, but there are countless times in history where a group of people were conquered and their king or leader was killed, but the people left alone. These are examples of an individual dying on behalf of a group that they represent. This is no different than our king and creator giving his life on behalf of humanity. Okay, but if God is so loving and just, why would he order the sacrificing of millions of innocent animals? Again, remember, God required a death to point to the death of Christ, to illustrate to teach us the cost. And it wasn't just any animal. God required the animal to be spotless and perfect because Jesus was going to live a life of perfect love and obedience to God. God didn't have the people just throw these animals out either. The sacrifices were used as food for the priests. Leviticus 6, 26. God prescribed how everything would have a purpose and nothing would go to waste. Think of it more like how the American Indians would use the entire buffalo and waste nothing. 
in contrast to the white man who would just take some of it and leave the rest to rot. Now, to be fair, this might be hard to swallow for vegetarians or vegans, but honestly, it should be even more compelling. God meant for all those sacrifices to be a weighty reminder on the consequences that selfishness is costing. It cost the life of the Son of God. The point of the sacrifice, if properly understood, was to teach people how bad sin was, and thus prompt them to abandon their sin and selfishness and become kind, loving, caring people. He wanted them to learn to do justice and love mercy. He wanted them to defend the orphan and plead for the widow. He wanted them to be advocates for love. This kind of change is impossible for us to do by ourselves. We all define good and evil so differently. We struggle to uphold even our own definitions of right and wrong. We will advocate for good one day, but the next day indulge our selfish desires. We lie to each other and we lie to ourselves. We have a confused morality within us because we are confused about the true definitions of good and evil. But God says that he will come to us. He says that he will forgive us. He says that he will replace our selfish hearts with hearts of love. He will make us his dwelling place. He will cleanse us from our sins and wickedness. He will put in our hearts the true definition of good and evil. He promises to transform us from the inside out if we stay connected to him. So how do we respond to Jesus' sacrifice in the next episode of A Picture of God?